welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Gary Rumbold. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who bursts faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Amen. We're being perfected every single day. Why we... We're being transformed from one glory to another. When you woke up in the mirror this morning, the first thing you should have said, you look more glorious today than you did yesterday. Because it's true. It's a work of his grace. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Isn't that amazing? His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. Amen. He's conquered humiliation and now seeks exalted at the right hand of God. Psalm 34, verse 5. Now, this has come up in the last sort of three or four weeks, and every now and again it comes up, and this, this particular piece comes up. And some of the eight clocks. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Amen. We're never covered with shame. And I can always look to Jesus every single day. So we're going to begin a little bit in in Genesis, then we're going to shift ourselves through till we get to the cross. Is that right? All in about 20 minutes, I hope. Uh, <clears throat> you and I were created to reflect God's image. We were not designed to bear shame. Hiding because of shame goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But creation didn't start out that way. Genesis 1, that's 27, 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, and he created them and he blessed them. That was God's, God's plan. Made them man and female and he blessed them. So you're probably familiar with this story, but consider this very important verse. Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Just say no shame. He could have said they felt no anxiety, pain or suffering, but he said they felt no shame. But what he said was that they were naked and they felt no shame. I wonder if God did so because he knew that shame would be the enemy's most damaging weapon against us. And therefore God wanted us to know from the very beginning, shame was not part of his plan. That the perfect state for, human, for mankind is a shame-free life. That's why God said, you know, right at the beginning, they were both naked and they felt no shame. There was nothing separated them. I don't do many uh, Hebrew words, but here's, here's one coming. Right? <laughs> uh, the Hebrew word for shame in this verse is stronger than to be embarrassed. It is bosh, bosh, oh, bosh. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, in our culture. We have a culture of, of the, where they have programs, television programs, where they shame people. How nuts is that when God, God doesn't design us to be shamed? 
So bosh, which literally means utterly dejected and to be ashamed of in front of another, it contains a sense of fear, of exploitation or of evil. Before they ate from the, uh, the fruit of the tree, Adam and Eve had no fear of evil. And that is how God created us. You know what happens next? The serpent lies to the woman. The woman eats the forbidden fruit. The man does the same. And then the saddest thing happens. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And that is when shame invaded the world. Imagine what it must have been like for those first horrible feelings swept over them. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's, it is quite bizarre, isn't it, when you go back to the Genesis story? Do you know what I mean? Here's a creator of a God who spoke galaxies into being, who spoke creation into being, stars of magnitude and splendor and majesty of the mountains, and yet they hide behind a bush. And yet, even in that shame, they, use, they try and cover themselves with the things of this earth. Yeah? They went from total vulnerability and openness to hiding their bodies from each other. So what happened is separation, isolation, and, div- and division invaded their relationship in a heartbeat. But they did more than hide their bodies from each other. They hid from God. What does it say about humankind that our very first recorded dialogue with God contains the word fear, hiding, and blame? Isn't that bizarre? It says that when sin entered the world, we immediately had a sinful, broken response to one another and to God. Notice in those first few lines, Adam and Eve uh, admit to fear and hide him, but they don't admit guilt. They don't admit responsibility for disobedience, only the consequences and causes of that disobedience. But rather confess what they did, their guilt. They tried to hide who they were, Shame, and in their shame, they resorted to blame. You see that, that just that sequence that just ends through there. Guilt says you've done something bad or you've made a bad choice. I've made some bad choices in my life. You ever made some bad choices? <laughs> yeah. But shame says you are bad. <clears throat> There's a big difference between you made a mistake and you are a mistake. Put it this way, guilt is about my choice, it's about what I did. Shame is about distorting my true identity. That's what shame does. It distorts who you are in Christ and distorts your identity. What a tragedy. Our shame makes us hide from God and each other rather than running to God to deal with our guilt. It's, you know, it's, it's all the great stuff that went through in the freedom encounters. It's, it's, am I going to run to the tree of life or am I going to run to the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Where am I going, where am I going to go you know, to deal with that? Here's a challenge here. I'm going to use the word guilt. Uh, you see, feeling guilt after we have disobeyed God is not a, bro- not a broken response, but a healthy one. Now, guilt, use the word conviction then, guilt or conviction serves as an internal alarm, a signal to us that we need not only to turn away from our sinful disobedience, but also assume accountability for it. See, that's God's plan. So God's original plan was confess, you know. 
what's happening there, but it's cluing us up to take responsibility for those wrong actions and run towards God, not away from him. How do we know this? God's Holy Spirit will bring us to conviction, not condemnation. Amen. And this is my, my, my most loved passage, I think, in Romans. I think Romans is a massive book, but somewhere in the midst of all of Romans, um, it says it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. So every time that conviction of guilt, you know, that I need to put something right with God, that's not God beating me over the head with a big stick. That's God's loving kindness touching my heart. You know, and it's, it's his loving kindness that leads us into repentance. You know, and, and you know where we're going to go, and it's going to get really exciting, because I really love where it's going to go. Um, Jesus paid for our guilt on the cross. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So he has provided the way to repair the damage those sins have done in our hearts and lives. We know this scripture, 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Really simple there. God knows that without confession there can be no repentance and therefore no healing. So from the overflow of the heart, you know, when I've done something wrong, I, my, my, to confess for me is I go to God, God, I did, I, you know, you're exposing something in my life. What I did was wrong. And Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. I admit that that situation, I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to blame others. I'm not trying to shame others. But what I did was wrong. And I ask for your cleansing in your healing. <clears throat> what a crafty enemy we have. Can you see it? The enemy knows that if he can cause us to hide ourselves, who God made us to be, that it will also cause us to lose sight of our identity in God. And his, he wants us to bear, be an image bearer. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He wants to bear, us to bear his life What happens? Then, because our view of ourselves has been diminished, we shrink from stepping into the destiny God created for us. That's a very effective strategy. Satan started using shame that day with Adam and Eve, and he continues it to use it to this day. We're just going to turn to, in a minute, I just want you to turn to Colossians 1, verse 19. Just going to make us. All I'm doing this morning is telling you stuff of all, all that you really know. There's one bit today that I'm hoping it's going to help you to see something really fresh as God really spoke it to me. It's just, I think it's liberating. But, so Jesus paid for our guilt and he bore our shame. He carried it all to the cross. But that's, but there he left it. Now, we know it had to be a totally sinless, totally obedient, submissive, perfect sacrifice. That's why forever in heaven there's going to be the Father and, and the Lamb, and Jesus is the Lamb of God before the throne. You know, we'll see, we'll see those hands, we'll see those marks in his hands, and the, we'll wonder, 
at the wonder of a, of a God who emptied himself and became man, became a human being, and yet took on the very nature of, of a human being and, and, and enabled us to now step into glory and be with him. Colossians 1, verse 19 and 20. This is the truth version. You see, it was God's good purpose to place the fullness of his life in his son so that through his life, death, and resurrection, everything on earth could be brought back to his will and be made one with all that is in heaven. And all this has been made possible through the cross. For through the shedding of his blood, the Son has made peace between God and man. And everybody said, Amen. Yeah, through the shedding of his blood. Now we're going to realize the significance of that blood today and the power of that blood today. You know, uh, in um, the day, you know, um, you know, Easter Day, you know, that resurrection Sunday, and you know, when, he's, when, there's, when the stones rolled away. I love it in Luke um, 24, verse 12. Um, it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to, the, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw strips of linen lying by himself, and he went away wondering to himself what happened. What a glorious moment that must have been. Now, you put yourself in Peter's, you know, Peter's shoes. He's heard about it. You know, I mean, the stones been rolled away, and he rocks up that morning. And he's just, he's totally perplexed. Why, why, why are the grave clothes there? And the very simple reason why, <laughs> it's so simple. The one wrapped in it took them off and carefully rolled up the face cloth and set it, set it aside as he departed. Do you know the difference? Do you remember Lazarus? Do you remember blessing old Lazarus? Goes through, has a few bad days, doesn't he? Sickness has a few bad days, ends up dying. Not a good day for Lazarus. But then comes Jesus, the resurrection and the life. He comes, doesn't he? He stands outside the grave and he says, Lazarus, come out. And you can, you can picture this sort of, you know, like, like, like mummy figure. He's all wrapped up in the throat. He's, he's, trying, he's trying to get out of the grave. You know, Jesus says, take the grave clothes off. Take the grave clothes off him. But notice this way. Jesus, no one's taken the grave clothes off because Jesus has taken the grave clothes off. Everything that binds us, everything that restricts us, the world and shame that bound his body, Jesus has taken those things off. And he's taken them off with such power that he leaves it in an empty grave and then he steps out of the empty grave and he goes, Father, that's it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that... So, we are not, and we should not carry shame. Why? Because Jesus took it in his body. Whatever wrapped him up, whatever confined him, whatever, whatever death brought him to that point of restriction, he is the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He didn't need to save someone else, speak it to him. Because he was the resurrection and the life, he just went, hey, it's a good day for mankind today. I'm taking this off and I'm leaving it in the grave. I'm leaving it in the place of death. And as I step out of here, it's going to signify that every single person can walk in freeness of life, free from shame, free from shackles, free from sickness, free from blame, free from accusation. Amen? Amen. 
I enjoy, isn't it amazing? That's just the simplicity of the gospel. His death, burial, and resurrection were more than enough for you, for me, for all of us. When he emerged from the tomb, he was no longer clothed in the sin and shame of this world. Sin and shame were left entombed, conquered, vanished, vanquished, and paid for, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Oh man, that's why death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him because of the power of that blood. That was, you know, the power of that blood was so mighty. You know, I mean, imagine, you know, his body, you know, all disfigured, all the blood and everywhere. Do you know what I mean? And that blood was, you know, all the shame. You can't stay around the son of king of kings. It's got to go. That blood was so powerful. I love, we're going to sing just in a, in a minute. We're just going to respond in a few minutes. But who could imagine so great a mercy? The song Living Hope. What heart could uh, fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Amen. Marvellous. Amazing. I was going to use the word, American word, awesome. Mm, I need it. Yeah, awesome. It is awesome. (laughs) Used to joke at the guys in the States that they must have other words to use for greatness. Please use, just just extend your vocabulary, you know. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings, call me his own. Beautiful Saviour, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Man has never been able to make a fig leaf that will cover his sin. We try fig leaves of religious works, addictions of every kind, secret idols, dead works. We can't cover our sin because we're not supposed to. Because someone has already covered it. Amen. You think of the amount of addiction that's in, in, in England. I mean, in the continent, in the world. It just, you know, ch- we can't even quote church membership. Church membership's not going to get us into heaven. You know, a life that's given and surrendered to Jesus is going to, you know, and, and total faith in the power of his blood and his acceptance. This is what I want you to see when we, when we respond. Just, just grab hold of this again. Just almost like, let's, let's now focus on what that blood did. In the blood, our Heavenly Father sees the holy, perfect, and innocent offering of total self-giving love. That's what the Father sees. That blood is so powerful. Holy, perfect, innocent offering of total self-giving love. To see that liquid being poured from his body. That's what was being poured out. But when someone believes in the blood of Jesus, the Father sees not the sinner, but the innocence, the perfection, and the worthiness of the blood. Oh man, isn't that great? God doesn't see, doesn't look through the veil and see us as sinners. He sees the virtue. He sees the worthiness of the blood of Jesus. The emphasis has to be on what Jesus does for us. He makes us perfect. It's not something that we can do of ourselves. That's why Hebrews 11.22 is such a key scripture. Therefore, let us come near to God with true hearts and great faith, 
because our hearts have been sprinkled with the blood to cleanse us from all guilt. Yeah. We can now have clear consciences and be made at peace with God. Our bodies are even made clean by receiving the pure living water of the Holy Spirit. Once forgiven, he sees us clothed in the holiness of Jesus. The blood literally speaks continually for us in heaven. See, I, every time we come in here on an eight o'clock, we can't come you know, thinking that you know, I've had 16 hours of prayer and I'm in the right place with God and I'm coming in, in, in my activity. We can only come by the blood of Jesus. We can only come in his acceptance. You know, there's no other virtue that we come to him by or you know, to, to, in relationship with him. Just picture this, Jesus saying to the Father on my behalf, this must be happening all over the planet. <laughs> you know, Jesus is the, inter- the intercessor. He's interceding for us. You know, I mean, he's, but, the, you know, the intercession, I think one of the aspects of that intercession is the cry that Jesus comes, you know, what happens is, so Jesus pictures Jesus saying to the Father on my behalf, look at my blood, Father, not at the sin. And the Father says, my faith and the just judgment is not guilty. I declare him cleansed from all unrighteousness. You know, all the time. It's not that we keep on sinning that grace may abound. It doesn't want to walk in in disobedience to his will. But when we do fall and when we do make a mistake, Jesus, you know, and we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. And and, and Jesus says, look at the blood, Father. Look at the blood. 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 Look at the blood, Father. And, and the father's going, yes, I see. It's my, it's my right, my, my righteous judgment has got placed upon you, my son. I don't want to judge anybody on this planet. I want to lift them into my love. My heart for them is love, not judgment. Do you, do you, do that? Just get excited again. Just, uh, I know it's a Tuesday morning. God ransomed us from the tyranny of sin, not with money, but with the precious blood of his own son. We cannot escape from sin on our own. Only the life of God's Son can free us. Every time we do something unclean, impure or unholy in God's sight, we can touch that blood and receive his cleansing every single day. Not because we want to mock the cross, not because we want to just deliberately sin, but because our focus is on the victory of what he's done. Amen. Now here's, here's where it, it kind of... It kind of connects to probably the season for us in prayer. I just want us to, just to, just to realize you cannot walk before him in faith or pray with confidence that he will hear you and he will answer you when we, are co- when, we are, when we have a sense of shame before him. Yeah? Shame and faith don't work together. Yeah? God has broken the power of shame off of our lives. All our shame is washed away before God through the blood of Jesus. We do not have to continue to be ashamed because the Lord has declared you and me not guilty. Amen. Obviously, we want to keep short counts with him. Why is there no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? Because once forgiven... Satan's ground of accusation is removed from under his feet. So he's the accuser of the brethren, and he will stand there accusing us before God day and night. It never stops. But you see, he hasn't got a leg to stand on. Excuse the pun there. 
and the funny comment. He hasn't got a leg to stand on. Why? Because the blood breaks every accusation of his. He has no valid accusation against those made righteous through the blood. And that's who you are today. You're made righteous through the blood. Just look at your neighbor and smile. <laughs> you desire truth in the innermost parts. You try, you know, God came full of grace and truth. Let the truth of the reality this morning that he's, he's, he took off all shame. He's parked it in an empty grave. And he walked out of it so that me and you don't need to carry it. Just going to finish with this. Isaiah 60 verse, uh, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. God has called us to be a glorious, radiant church. Amen. What does that look like? Well, it looks like we we walk with God in repentance and faith. We walk with him in, in close, but we don't walk with him with guilt and shame, keeping us bound at all in any way. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.